0: welcome to the house podcast we want to encourage you wherever you're at today reach out or email us at any time and we hope you enjoy today's message Pastor Ryan. Good to have Ryan on the team and uh, looking after some of those areas of responsibility and uh, certainly does a better job at those things than I do. And so his, uh, his input is appreciated. Thank you for being a part of our community. We are better together and uh, so appreciate your generosity. And you know, every time we've mentioned we're getting a little bit behind in finances or something like that, you guys always step up. And so we so appreciate your generosity and for being a part of what God is doing in, in our midst and, and partnering with us. Uh, our mission is to make fully committed followers of Jesus. That's really the big picture of who we are, of what we are, everything that we do is really, that's, the, that's kind of the undergirding. When we think of all the different ministries and initiatives and things, that's really what it's about, is bringing people to, to maturity in their faith, uh, to be disciples, which is really that great commission of Jesus. Well, our vision is a little bit different than mission, and it's more focused on how we go about fulfilling the mission. Our vision is really more on who we are and what our calling is, what makes us a unique body of believers as we're all uh, working together towards that common mission. And our vision is really, it's, uh, it's written out in three statements on the wall there in our coffee shop, encounter the spirit, empower people, and then the last one where we're at today is embody Jesus in our city. Uh, and that happens, that idea of embodying Jesus in our city is something that happens uh, as individuals, like in our own personal lives. And it's also something that we do together. There's a collective body that comes together as our church community, and we also embody Jesus in our city. And our vision is uh, to, to step into these things of what it means to embody Jesus. Well, the dictionary defines embody as expressing or personifying an idea, a quality, or feeling in a tangible form. And our vision is to personify Jesus in a tangible way, which echoes. His example of incarnate ministry. There's that word incarnate that we use sometimes. Well, John 1.14, speaking of Jesus, says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is... Emmanuel. He is God with us. Jesus is the incarnate God who came and dwelt among us so he could reach and save humanity, so he could bring the gospel, bring the good news, and make a way for us to have eternal life, to have a redeemed, restored, healed, Uh, life here and serve him and participate in that. He came to live among us to accomplish that. And this ministry of presence, of being here among us continues today through the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit in the church. In the book of John, in the gospel of John, there's this passage of scriptures, there's chapters 14, 15, 16. Jesus is teaching his small group of disciples, of his followers, and he begins to teach them. He says, I'm going to bring the Holy Spirit. I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit with you. He's going to come as you're the Greek words paraclete, your helper. It means helper to come alongside of. The Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to help you. He's going to guide you. He's going to empower you to be a living testimony of the gospel message and of the kingdom of God. And then Jesus concludes part of this teaching near the end of his ministry with the disciples. In John chapter 20, there's what's called the regeneration of believers. And this is when Jesus stands in front of his disciples and he breathes on them. And he breathes, he puts the breath of God. The Greek word is pneuma. And he breathes his spirit on the disciples and the disciples receive the spirit of God. And with them comes spiritual renewal and spiritual life and this this presence of God that is upon them. Well, this act of Jesus breathing spiritual life on the disciples actually mirrors the creation narrative where the story of God breathing life into Adam. And in the Hebrew, the word is ruach, which is uh, breath, which is life, which is spirit. And in the Greek, it's pneuma. And those two words are used interchangeably. God breathes life into Adam. Jesus comes and he breathes life. He breathes his spirit into the disciples. Well, embodying Jesus is much more than a philosophical concept. It's much more than something we do on a symbolic level or something we believe at a symbolic level. Because we carry his incarnate presence with us. Because the spirit of God indwells in us. In his book, The Divine Conspiracy, theologian Dallas Willard writes, and he he poses this question on what it means to embody Jesus. He says, how would Jesus live your life with your personality with your talents, with your life experiences, within your life context, if he were you. That is quite a thought to ponder. And that is essentially what it means to embody Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, the Apostle Paul says that we are, the people of God, are Christ's ambassadors. And then he says this, it's as if though Christ... Himself were working through us, we're speaking through us. And there's this ministry of reconciliation and the gospel and the gospel presence in our world. And Paul says it's as this Jesus Himself is working through us as his followers. Well, the big idea, of course, is God's people are designed to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I love Eugene Peterson's version of John 1.14 from the message that reads, The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I love that. Moved into the neighborhood. Of course, we know the neighborhood when we think of loving our neighbor and the term neighborhood in the in the in the, 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 the biblical passages. Is much more than just the person who lives across the street from you or next door to you. Neighbor means those in our life, those we are in connection with, our relationship circle, the people we encounter throughout the week on a regular basis. It's our family, it's the people in work, it is our literal neighbors, it's our friendship group, people that we know, people that we rub shoulders with. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And church, I propose the incarnate nature of God is still moving into neighborhoods today because you and I embody Jesus and we bring him along with us. Jesus has moved into Kirshner and Black Mountain. He's moved into Rutland and Spring Valley. He's moved into the Mission and Kettle Valley. He's moved into Wilden and Magic Estates and Dilworth and Glenmore. He's moved into Ellison and Lake Country. He's moved into Vernon and Penticton and all the other regions. Jesus moves into the neighborhood every time you and I pull into our driveway. Every time we light the barbecue for Friday night burgers, every time we are in our neighborhoods, Jesus is with us. He moves in. At its very basic level, embody Jesus in our city means to extend the love, presence, and ministry of Jesus to our neighbors. When you read that word, those words, embody Jesus in our city, that's what it is. It's to bring the presence of Jesus. It's a ministry of presence. The biblical use of neighbor is important because it's that circle of influence, Perhaps another way to say that is our church's vision is to be a gospel lighthouse in our city. In Matthew 5, Jesus is teaching the disciples and he says this, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. The people of God are the light of the world because there is an incarnate presence of God within us of the light of the world. This is how Jesus, does. if you ever wonder like why does God use the church or what's the deal or why does God design things or why did he put things the way he did? It's because the spirit of God lives within us. We are the incarnate representation of Jesus. We are the hands and feet. This is the way it's created to be. And Jesus uses two metaphors for light. One is a lamp that gives light to those in the house. The image here is the, a, a lamp. If you've, if you've ever been camping, uh, I'm not really a camper. I'm a hoteler. And I don't need a lantern in a hotel. They have light switches. But I've heard that when you go camping, you can have a lantern, this thing that you can hold. And, and it gives light to a little area. This idea, this metaphor of a lamp, it gives us a picture of carrying the light into close proximity. And I think the lamp is representative of our own individual lives, our own lives as believers. Each one of us has the light of Jesus within us. Each one of us is a light for Christ. We are a lamp, we're a lantern. We bring the light with us and it brings light to those in the house. It brings light to those in close proximity. This is our neighbors. But there's another picture, there's another metaphor that Jesus gives. And he says, you know, you could probably hide the light from a lamp. You could put that light under a bowl. But the light from a city on a hill cannot be hidden. And this is a picture of dozens, perhaps hundreds, perhaps thousands of individual lights, individual lamps coming together in community putting their light together, their collective light shining brightly for all to see. That is the kind of light that cannot be hidden. There's something about coming together as God's people, about being the body of Christ, being together in church community, the things we can do, the ministry that we can do, that is different than just on our own. And this kind of light cannot be hidden. In fact, this is the kind of light that shines light into regional darkness. It can be seen from everywhere. That city on a hill with its dozens, hundreds, thousands of lamps burning into the evening can be seen far away from everybody. And this is the kind of light that penetrates regional darkness. And it's a good picture of what it means for our church to embody Jesus in our city. Because we shine brighter when we work together. In 2005, I began serving as the young adults pastor over at Evangel Church. I was so skinny and cool back then. <laughs> young adults even went to hang out with me and go for coffee, they thought I was cool. And um, this was the same year that Okanagan University College announced or had, be, had started the transition to become UBC O UBC Okanagan, a campus, an extension campus of the University of British Columbia. And they had announced plans to expand from 1,700 students to over 10,000 in the coming years. So to put that in perspective, there are 162 municipalities in B.C., and 102 of them are under 10,000 people. And of those 102 small communities in BC, if you go and visit any one of them, probably every one of them, you will find something there. You will find multiple churches. There are churches in every one of these communities in BC with less than 10,000 people. And the UBCO campus was going to have a larger population than two-thirds of BC's municipalities, and it had no gospel presence. And so the house began with a missional calling to reach university students for us to be a city on a hill and a light in the darkness. It's why we're here. If you ever wonder, to no, like when you're first driving out here and you're thinking, who in the world puts a church out in the middle of nowhere? Like, what were they thinking? And we have the worst parking. You can't even find us. We know all that. When we got this building... It was the closest building to the university that we could get. And we felt God was calling us and we looked and I came and I put my eyes up on the window and that's why we're here. It's why our venue looks like it does. It's why we're called The House. We have a spiritual gift of hospitality. We want to be a home away from home for university students. It's why we have the student lounge. It's why we do soup nights. It's why we have the food bank. It's why we have laundry machines. When we started, free Wi-Fi was actually like a big thing. Now, doesn't, you don't even, you know, we got data. But free Wi-Fi, free laundry. Wow, that was like, that was so cutting edge. Our church has grown and matured over the years and we're we're certainly we know this we're much more than just a young adult church. Sometimes I get mad. I talk to other pastors and they're all like, "Oh, yeah, you're just a young adult church." First of all, if it was just a church for young adults, that's not a bad thing. So, slap number 1. And slap number 2 is like, "Who are you?" Like, "We're a church." Like, "We're a church." We are God's people, gathered together, multi-generational, young kids, old kids, and everybody in between. That's who we are. We're a community of people, and we have grown and matured into something that actually kind of went a little bit beyond what our original vision was, and that's a good thing. And it goes all the way back to when we launched as an extension ministry of Evangel. Back in 2007 there was a small group of young adults. We gathered in here for a prayer night and we asked the Lord to make a way where there's no other way. That cool guy in the orange and white striped, tanned, buff, look, that's me. (laughs) And um, that that trailer, that camper was like right over here. There was nothing in here. There was a lady in here who was kind of like a, a caretaker and she was working on the buildings And uh, we told her what we were going to do. And she says, oh, that's so cool. And we were in here for a prayer meeting. And she goes, do you guys know this one? And she pulled out her guitar and led us in Hotel California. (laughs) And then we had a moment of prayer together. (laughs) That's totally true. So I'm looking in the glass. This looks like a good place. Let's get a realtor. Let's get in here. Let's just say, God, what, what could happen? And it's for sale. It's not for lease. Evangel's with us. They're behind us. This is really an extension ministry evangel. They're, they're so, they were so good to us. And, um, but they weren't in a place where they could just like buy a building for like a million dollars. They have to like, you know, maybe we could lease it. We'll try it out. Chad, you're a little weird. Let's see how it goes over the next little while. And we we'll, you know, they, 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 they were with us. But they weren't in a place to buy a building and it was for sale. We're like, what are we gonna do? And but, said, Lord, this would be a great place to be. And so we prayed. Little group of young adults. And God spoke to a couple of businessmen in the church and they got together, they pooled their resources and they bought the building and then they leased it back to the church for like the best deal ever and just, just to say, you know what, you can be here forever, you can do whatever you want, we'll never kick you out, we're just going to try to make it possible for you to be here. And God did something and that was miracle number one, to just crack something open well, then we began to move in, and um, we moved in, and those two trucks, that's a couple guys in our community, Jared Wilkeson and Jason McKenzie, they were both here in our morning service at 9 a.m. They got kids now. They were married, or they were single, not even married back then. And that was right in this corner. There was nothing here. The very first thing, we, we got some construction stuff and some tools and some supplies and some lumber, and we started to move it in here and dump it in the corner, and we started to make a plan. And God was with us. Uh, the very first thing we had to do, we had to mark out all the, all the floor where everything got marked out for plumbing. So we had to cut lines for like all the sewer lines and the plumbing lines. We had to, you know, the coffee shop had to get lined. And there's one little water hose, one wa- water spigot over here on the side. And so we had to mark out all the washrooms and the toilets and the shower and the urinals and all these things and cut the cut the concrete. And so guys marked it all out and we jackhammered the concrete out. I, I didn't jackhammer it out. I watched them do it. And, um, and then there was this pile of concrete, it was massive pile of concrete. And I thought, who's going to clean this up? And then I thought, it's probably going to be the pastor. And I was like, what is going to happen? And the, the, we had the door open and we were working there, And a guy came next door to get some hoses from Hose and All. And uh, he has a bobcat and a truck, a dump truck and a bobcat. And he pulls in. And he pops his head and he's like, hey, what are you guys doing, what is this place? And we're like, oh, you know, we told him kind of what we're doing and what the dream is. He says, well, what are you gonna do with all this concrete? I so I don't know, I think I have to take it to the dump. And I was kind of crying a little bit. And, uh, <laughs> and, and he says, well, I'll, I'll, I'll take it for you, I'll take it to the dump for you, no problem, I'd be happy to do that. And so he unloaded his bobcat, drove in, we loaded all the concrete dumped it all, and, and away it went. And I was like, wow, that was amazing. And that started something of God showing up and God doing really cool things. The entire plumbing package was gifted to us by a plumbing company. Guys that are not of faith, but liked who we were and were a part of us. All of the electrical work was donated. The flooring company gave us all of the flooring materials for free. Uh, The tile setter, we had to have a guy come and help with the tile. And... um, We brought him in, and he looked around. He says, well, what is this place? And we told him, and he said, you know what? My son, and he, he began to cry. He said, my son got off track in university, and he started getting into drugs. He says, I bet you if there was a place like this when he was at university, it would have made a difference. He said, I will... I'll do it for free. I'd be happy to help you guys. And he came in here on his Christmas holidays because his other job site was closed down and nobody else was around. And he spent all of his Christmas holidays on his hands and knees, putting all of our tile in everywhere and all of our washrooms and our entrance all for free. I went one day out to uh, Home Depot or somewhere to pick up some supplies and pick some things up. When I came back, uh, one of the guys who was working here handed me uh, an envelope crumpled up in his work belt said, hey, somebody dropped by to say hi and wanted me to get this to you. And I took the envelope and I opened it up and there's a check for $50,000. And God just continued to show up and do things and make a way where there was no way. Uh, Near the end of the project... I did up a budget sheet, my final kind of budget sheet over uh, for the team at Evangel. And uh, we were just about to, all the finishing stuff had been done. We were just about getting ready to open for our first university season. And we needed to get some furniture. We were going to open the student lounge and run the student lounge. But we needed stuff for the kitchen. We needed the computers. So we had the Wi-Fi and the printing station. And we needed tables and chairs and furniture and couches and all that kind of And I added all up. And the spreadsheet came to 17500 And I gave it to the guys at Evangel, And we were going for it. And they looked at it. And they just said, we... We, we can't, we're out. We have no more money left. It's like, we're, it's finished. And um, you're going to have to wait. And I'm not very patient. Um, and I was like, I, are you serious? Like we did all this to get to here, To then we're going to open and we're not going to come to our student lounge, sit on the floor in the corner. Like, that just doesn't seem like the gift of hospitality. And I was like, what are we going to do? That was a Thursday night. And on Friday morning, Ed calls me and he says, I just spoke with a lady. She said, this is weird. He goes, she said the Lord woke her up. And said you should donate $18,000 to the church, to the house. And she wanted to know who do we get the check made out to and, and does that number make sense? And I shared with Ed that, that we had just yesterday needed 17500 and now he calls me and it's like, God even paid the GST on that one. (laughs) And you can't make that stuff up. Like when you see God working, when God is in something, and sometimes at the last minute, but miracles come together, and you see that God was with us in the beginning, and he's walked with us ever since. And we launched in September of 08. In the fall season, we operated as a community center, the student lounge every day, uh, concert, special events. We were doing anything and everything we could just to get people in here and kind of get known in the community. And within a few years, our Sunday night service was jammed and it was full of young adults who were worshiping and meeting Jesus. And in many ways, we had fulfilled and reached kind of the, that starting vision. And so we launched a Sunday morning gathering to help reach a wider demographic than just young adults and we began connecting with empty nesters and young professionals, and we created a space for young adults who were moving beyond the university years, you know, when they graduate, and sometimes they get married, and they get jobs, and they move out of mom and dad's basement, and they start a life of their own, and they even start having families, and we created this place, and they were able to come and be a part of us. When we started our Sunday morning service, it was really a young couple small group that Angela and I were leading. And we just stopped meeting for a year. We said, we're not gonna meet Thursday nights. We're just gonna meet Sunday morning. We'll get a guitar and we'll just invite others to come. And it started so small. But we thought, you know what? Some of these couples are gonna start having kids. And so we got out of our offices and we turned them into kids' rooms. And within a little while, they were full with kids and we had little ones. And now we had a kids' ministry. And what were we doing? We had no idea. And by the time we started a second Sunday morning service in 2015, we realized that we were more than an extension ministry of Evangel. And we had grown into our own church community. We received Evangel's blessing mutually, when good relationship, honorable, to begin the process of becoming our own autonomous church who would be responsible for our own operations. And so we... Got together, and in September of 2016, we signed, that is us, uh, that's uh, Kim and and Mike, two of our pastors' council members, and we signed to join the PAOC as our own church to take responsibility for ourselves. We got registered in BC as as a society. We were registered with the CRA as a charity and we had to meet all the federal and provincial requirements to do all of those things. I had no idea it would be so much work but somehow we made it through. We got insurance and we got set up in our government and our finances. Ryan was there, part of the team. We brought him on and he was so helpful in those days. Uh, We started with uh, a bank account on September 1st, 2016 with zero dollars. Open a bank account they said what are you gonna put in it and we kind of thought well we got nothing right now but we'll get back to you and do you know that from September 1st 2016 was zero dollars in our bank account we have not missed a single financial commitment since that time we have met every payroll every missions commitment Every lease payment, every utility bill and invoice, every cost of doing ministry, the Lord has provided. Now, I know that sometimes it really was the 11th hour and things were tough and stressful at times. And it's been quite a ride. But the Lord has been faithful and he has been with us from the very beginning. And our church continued to grow and we began looking for a bigger building in 2018, 2019. But we just couldn't come up with a way to make it happen. And then when COVID hit, we thought, oh, that's maybe a good thing. In hindsight, maybe it's a blessing in disguise. Because if we would have taken on all that, you know, forced it through and whatever, and taken on all the debt, and like, then we would have been stuck with a building that we couldn't use. And so it really, we just kind of paused and let's just get through this and kind of regroup. And COVID brought enormous challenges, but our church actually expanded. We hired new pastors in our church during that time we expanded our budget grew our ministry influence our sphere of influence the things that we do grew and we came out of COVID, and we were fairly well positioned and we kind of picked up and we kind of just went went forward and um this past winter season from january to april probably reflected in some of those financial reports that we shared earlier really i think is represents perhaps our strongest ministry season ever And I was away on sabbatical and our team did such a good job and I came back in January and uh, we're full in three services on Sunday. We can't host anymore. We have over 70 kids that come to kids ministry in those offices upstairs. We have something here every night of the week. There are more ministries happening within our church than ever before. Our small groups are stronger and more people going. One of the things we learned during COVID was that community and church is more than just Sunday. And so we've seen our midweeks and our ministries and our different areas have really strengthened and, and really expanded. Our giving is the strongest it's ever been. And I'm so thankful to pastor our church and so convinced that our best days are ahead for us. People need Jesus and people are hungry to be a part of a life giving community. And the Lord established us as a city on a hill to shine brightly for the gospel, to be a representation of Jesus in our city. And so, where am I going with all this? Well, a year ago, I was feeling very stirred in my heart that we needed to re engage the process for a bigger building. Uh, Our pastors have no private offices for studying the Word of God. Uh, even to have a bookshelf. We have no spots if we're doing a pastoral care meeting or counseling or meeting a couple who's in premarital counseling and we want to talk about things with them. It's really hard. There's not even like a private space to do those things. Uh, We can't do more than one ministry gathering here a night. If the band is doing rehearsal or if youth is on or something else is going on, it uh, eliminates the ability for us to do something else. We're running three services. They're full on Sunday. We really can't do anymore. And we know that our kids, they're, they're out of room. We cook for Alpha on one stove. The building is basically torn down and reset multiple times a week. And I had that in my heart. I'm like, Lord, we could be so much more. We could do so much. We could be so significant. It would be amazing. Like Kelowna is ripe for a church that is filled with God's spirit and filled with young couples and that we're just making a difference in our city. But how does that even happen? And how do you even get there? And we've been leasing this space for years. We have no equity, we, we really don't have anything to show for that. Uh, if we saved $25,000 a month, which really, not overly a good plan, because uh, we're, we're not, we can't save, unless we cut Canyon salary, we can't save $25,000 a month. Um, those music guys, they, they're, they're doing good. Um, Our budget is like we're halfway in the year and we're within a couple thousand dollars like our budget our operating budget is we have to be good stewards and we have to watch that and we want to keep that in line we're not banking 25 it would take us 20 years to do that to get enough money for a down payment so that's just not even really feasible and it's just how do you how does it happen and i shared my unrest with our pastors and the pastor's council, and we began to talk and pray about a building. And I found a listing for a building close by that was pretty good size and uh, was in the same zoning and looked like it could work. And we thought, you know, if nothing else, we should just go and look at it. Because if you never try and you never start dreaming and talking about it, you're never going to have any movement. And so it's a long shot, and it wasn't even for that building. But it was really to start to get some of us together and to say, Lord, we... We just need a way. Make a way, do something, help us. Are you in this? And just take it before the Lord. So if nothing else, it was just to get talking and praying and dreaming together. And so uh, last year in June, we went and looked at a building close by, and we envisioned what it could be. We, we stood around, looked at it, actually um, right next to a brewery, which was kind of cool, actually. Um, <laughs> We, we stood in there in a circle kind of similar to what we had done years ago and just prayed and walked through the space and began to dream and talk about it. And it, it, was, it was amazing. Like, oh, air conditioning. Whew. It had like a meat locker setting on the thermostat. We could just be so cool and refreshed right now. But I pictured and we pictured the the... The barbecues out front and the bouncy houses and the balloons and the kids running around having fun and big freight bays and loading bays and overhead doors open up and um, going into like a big coffee shop and an area and a worship space where it was big enough for all of us to be together in one service and where we could even grow into something more. A space that had kids ministry rooms and a big kitchen to do stuff and hospitality and a, a, a spot for a workshop and creative work and cool buses out front and a basketball net and a youth room and a studio space for musicians and offices and a chapel and all kinds of things and we just began to dream and more than that more than that it's just kids running around and people worshiping and encountering the spirit of God And friendships and hugs and things being built in people's lives. And a testimony of God's goodness over our city. And so we did just as we did so many years ago. And we just said, God, would you help us? And I remember praying, Lord, we're not convinced or even think it's like this building. But this is a picture. This is representative of what we could become. And we can't get there on our own. And we need some miracles. And Lord, would you just make a way. Would you help us Would you help us get there? And that was a year ago in June when we stood in there and we prayed. And a couple weeks after that, the landlord for our building called and asked to meet me for coffee, which is not totally out of the ordinary because we would connect throughout the course of the year and just make sure we're all on the same page. And we sat down together and I began to share with them how I was appreciative of having this space and gracious that they tied up their resources and their finances to make it happen for us. And I shared how it's becoming too small and we felt stuck and we didn't know how to get to that next space. And he and his wife had been talking and they felt stirred in their heart that it was time for us to become landowners of our own and to have our monthly payment instead of being a lease payment that just goes out the window to get to the place where it could be as landowners we could be paying down our own principal and having some equity. And they had figured out that our monthly lease payment was the same amount as a one million dollar mortgage payment and he said they would be prepared to finance the church and loan us a million dollars and the payment would be the same as what our lease payment was it wouldn't cost us anything else except a million dollars doesn't really buy a, 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 a big building and so we're kind of like we're kind of stuck but he said he said that we could get this building appraised and whatever the difference was between $1 million and the appraised value, they would donate that money to the church so that we could buy the building and the mortgage that we carry at $1 million would be the exact same as our lease payment and wouldn't cost us anything. No additional monthly cost, but we would have some equity and we would start building towards something. And I sat there, and I wept, right in our coffee shop, because just a couple of weeks earlier, we had stood in a circle and said, Lord, you've you got to make a way. We need some miracles. We don't even know how or where or what, but we can't do it on our own. Would you just do something? Would you help us? Would you make a way where there is no way? And it's a big process for all this to happen. And we had to consult with accountants and lawyers and tax consultants, make sure everything is done properly and above board. It's really important to do everything really properly when you're a charity and we have finances, finances that are entrusted to us. And so, church, I'm happy to report that our building was appraised at $2.5 million in March, and we received... A one and a half million dollar donation. And in April, we signed a purchase agreement and are now the proud owners of Unit 1-240 Lougheed Road. And so now we are currently sitting on one and a half million dollars in equity and our monthly payment is now paying down on principle. And we are gaining more equity every month by being here. You guys have made money just by being in church today. <laughs> and it doesn't cost us any more every month. This is a miracle. This is miracle number one in our story. Because the time is coming when we will sell this building. And the equity we appreciate out of this will go towards a significant portion of offsetting the cost of a bigger building. We're not there yet, but we're seeing the Lord begin to put things together for us. So where are we going with all this? Well, the, it, the significant step, this is a significant step in us embodying Jesus in our city. To have a space that we call our own, to be in charge of our, ourselves, and to be building equity We're keeping our eyes open and are actively exploring opportunities. And in the meantime, we're keeping our hand on the plow and we're going to keep going forward. And so for the time being, we're moving forward. We're moving forward in ministry, just doing what we're called to do. But we're trusting and believing and looking, praying, and open to opportunities that the Lord will bring our way for us to get to a new venue, to a bigger space. And we see that that day will happen We know that God is with us, and if you're a part of our church, that's where we're going, and that's where we're headed. That's who we want to be, and that's who we invite you to to be a part of with us. One of the things that we had to overcome in this process, and part of the reason it was drawn out a little bit, is it came with some closing costs for the purchase of the building. We had to have some Accountant and legal and consulting fees came with some added just insurance costs and things like that. And um, the biggest impact for us is because this is a commercial building, we have to pay GST on the purchase. And so altogether, our closing costs to buy this venue came in around $100,000. And that's a big number. But it, changes momentum it shifts momentum for us and the thing with that hundred thousand dollars is we can't absorb it in our operations budget or if you saw that we would be a hundred thousand dollars in the hole right now so we have to come up with it from another place Uh, the pastor's council is confident that we can raise this money together and in the coming weeks, we'll be rolling out some communication on ways and opportunities you can partner with us and you can be a part of it. And this is an opportunity for us as a community, for you to be a part of this story of what God is doing in our midst. Uh, I'm going to invite the band to come and uh, we're going to get ready to close. They're gonna, we're just going to close in, in one song together. But I would say this that there is an opportunity for you. You heard some of those stories of God being with us in the beginning, and this is where we are now. This is where God has brought us now. And so perhaps there's ways you can partner with us, you can help us, you can pray for us. Please be in prayer for us to hear from the Lord, to do things wisely for miracles, to find the right building and the right time and all those pieces that have to come together. Uh, In fact, we're meeting on Wednesday night, this week, 7 o'clock, Wednesday, for prayer. Come, be a part of it. One hour prayer. Pray about these things. Pray for the church. So you can pray and be a part of it, but we invite you also to think about financial partnership helping offset this. If you want to do it today... And you've got a $100,000 tap limit on your debit card. We can take that right at the offering station. Uh, Just write down building fund. Um, And it'll go towards offsetting that $100,000. So there's no manipulation. There's just communication and sharing on what God has done and miracles and good stuff and an opportunity for you to be a part of it. For you to be a part of the story. Because we will be telling these stories to our kids, and to future generations. And this will be a significant church, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And we will be able to look back on how God made a way and how God provided. And that's what we get to be a part of together. And I'm reminded that our church is built on story after story of God's faithfulness and his blessing and that it will continue. May I read Philippians 1.6 over you? Paul says, I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. May the Lord make a way where there is no other way, both in our community, in our collective lights, our city on a hill that the Lord is building, and in your individual lives in your lamp your lamp your life that you carry with you where you need a breakthrough where you need God to make a way over your finances over your relationships that are tensioned and strained over your business over your kids your kids that are wondering from God over the stress points and the pressure points in your life. May the Lord make a way. May he build things, may he put things together in only the way that he can do. Why don't we stand together? If you're able to, invite you to stand. We're wrapped up. I know it was a little bit longer today, but there's so much to share and so much good stuff happening. And let's sing together as a declaration of prayer over our lives and over the church, and invite Jesus to be the way maker for us.